open your Bibles this morning to Genesis chapter 17. I wrote a few notes down. I didn't have any more time to write down any more notes than just a few. And it's hot off the wire, all right? It's fresh and it's hot off the wire. Praise God. This message, if I were to give it a title this morning, I would title it, He's the God of Your Covenant. Put, your word, put the word my in it and say it out loud with me. He's the God of my covenant. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's the God of my covenant. Now tell them he's the God of your covenant too. What is a covenant? A covenant is more than just a contract. It's a heaven and earth agreement. A divine commitment. God is always looking for someone to enter into covenant with. He tried to enter into a covenant. Well, did. He entered into a covenant with Adam and Eve. But they broke the covenant. And God once again looked for someone that he could enter into covenant with. Because he's a covenant God. We use the word covenant in our world today. They're covenants in in contracts and and things that are irreversible. And uh, and sometimes uh, uh, people don't keep the covenant that they made. Marriage is a covenant. Uh, Marriage is not always kept as a covenant. The promises, the vows that we make. I made a vow to Lindsay. We just celebrated our 40th wedding anniversary. I know I don't look nearly old enough to have been married 40 years. I was married when I was five years old, you understand. But God looked again for someone that he could make a covenant with. Covenant is God's natural initiative and response to human well-being, to human needs, to problems and predicaments. God's covenant is based on his eternal love according to his grace and his wisdom. And it includes his mercies, which are new every morning. It includes his favor God's unmerited favor, his compassion, his blessing, and his justice. Everyone says, give me justice. No, 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 no. Give me mercy. (laughs) I want mercy. I don't want justice. I want mercy. But there is another kind of justice that only God can give. Genesis chapter 17. uh, Read along with me. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to him and said unto him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. You know, perfection is a funny thing. Uh, we, uh, we, 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 we humans say, well, it's not possible that we could be perfect. Only one perfect one ever lived and they killed him at 33. And yet here is God speaking to Abram saying, be perfect. So if God says to Abram, be perfect, there must be an opportunity for you and for me to be perfect. Because this word in the Bible is not just for Abram, it's for you and it's for me. Every word, every stroke of the writer's pen was designed for you and for me. We've got to take the Bible personally. This is God's word to us. He said, be thou perfect. Perfect, and I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. 
And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Now remember, he's 99. At that moment, he, he was 99. His wife was 89, okay? Get that into your mind. And then, then go ahead and read on. Neither shall thy name anymore be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations I have made thee, and I will make thee exceedingly fruitful. He's 99. And I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee, and I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land where thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, notice he's changed his name now, thou shalt keep my covenant therefore, and thy seed after thee in their generations. God is always looking for someone to enter into covenant. And he looked for a man and he found a man who at that time was known as Abram living in Ur of the Chaldees, the area of the world that we know today as Iraq, which is very, very much in the news today. This is like an article that could have been written in the newspaper today. He was from Iraq. His parents were idol worshipers. He came up in a godless nation. And we have nations all over the earth today that are godless nations. Some that are even near us. Godless nations. And God spoke to him. And for the purpose of this message, I'm going to call him Abraham, okay? God spoke to Abraham and said, get up, get your wife, whose name was also changed from Sarai to Sarah. Get your wife, get out on the highway and start traveling. And I'll tell you where you're going when you get there. Now, how would you respond to that? Get out there on the 15. You don't know whether to go north or whether to go south. You don't know if you're heading toward Canada or heading toward Mexico. And start traveling. And I'll show you where you're going when you get there. Most of us would say, God, could I use my GPS? But that's what happened. God said, get out and start, start going. Leave your family. Leave the idol worshipers. Leave those who are not going to be a part and will never want to be a part of my covenant. Leave that behind you and follow me. When I was a teenager, I was a rock and roll singer. I sang in nightclubs. I sang lead in, lead in a rock band. I was going to become a star and come and jam and jam uh, jam it right down their throats, because having been Oral Roberts' son, I was the butt end of every joke in school. And and uh, you know the kids would run up and lay their hands on me and yell heel and laugh. And and I went through all that. And I was so tired of that. I decided I was going to get out of that. I wasn't going to be a minister. I would never go into the healing ministry, which had been prophesied over me since I was a boy. I was going to make my mark on the world. I was going to go to Las Vegas. And a funny thing happened to me on the way to Las Vegas. I got saved. 
I got healed and, and was, was uh, released from the hospital where I was facing surgery. And God spoke to me and told me uh, what he had for me. Brother Copeland was uh, flying right seat on my dad's airplane at the time and had never met Kenneth. I'd never met Kenneth and Kenneth had never met me, but he knew about me. And God spoke to him about me and gave my father a prophetic word that Richard was coming home. And he wasn't talking about Tulsa. He was talking about home to his heavenly father. And within a year, I was on my face giving my heart to the Lord. And that night, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I entered into a covenant with God. Yeah. And every prophetic word spoken about me and the healing ministry has come to pass. Abraham turned away from that which was not of God and entered into a contract, a covenant with God. God said, I'm going to give you all the land from the Euphrates River to the Mediterranean Sea. Yeah. Now you go on the map, that takes in all of Iraq. <laughs> that takes in part of Syria and Israel and, all, and, and what the area that the disputed land that they want to call Palestine, uh, it takes in all of that. And thank God, my friends, listen to me this morning. Thank God that once again, after many years, America is standing up for Israel. Yes. It's about time that somebody takes a stand for what the Bible says. The Bible says, if you bless Israel, I'll bless you. But if you curse Israel, I'll curse you. I don't want to be under a curse. How about you? I think one of the problems we've had historically in our country and why it seemed like for some period of time, it was almost like there was a curse on America. It's because we had turned our backs on the nation of Israel. Thank God. You know, do I agree with everything going on over there? I don't have to agree with everything going on over there. That's not my job. I'm not in management. I'm in sales. Hallelujah. I don't have to know everything. I don't have to agree with everything that somebody who's in the prime minister's office said. I don't have to agree with everything. But I got to support it with my prayers. The Bible says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And I do that every day of my life. I hope you do it as well. And I hope America continues to keep, keep its commitment. I was so thrilled when our embassy was moved from Tel Aviv back to Jerusalem. Because as far as I'm concerned, Jerusalem is the capital of the world. You know? You heard that story, the, the president has the red phone on his desk and the prime minister has a red phone on his desk and uh, uh, the president uh, is able to call heaven, you know, direct and, and, uh, and the prime minister is able to call, but the president had to pay for his call and, and in Israel it's a local call. <laughs> but Abraham said, okay, God, I'll stay here. He was a stranger, the Bible says, in the land. God began to prosper him. And it wasn't long till his kinfolk kind of came along and joined his, his nephew Lot and others. And the family began to grow. And then they had a family squabble. Anybody here ever had a family argument? Anybody ever gotten into a squabble with a brother or a sister? I see heads nodding up and down. Anybody in a squabble right now? And Abraham and Lot decided that they weren't going to fight. Abraham said, Lot, you take the land you want, and I'll take the land that's left. And, they, and uh, Lot chose the well-watered plains of Sodom and Gomorrah, which didn't work out too well for them. His wife was a pillar of fire by night, but a pillar of salt by day. 
you're slow, but you're worth waiting on. And uh, Abraham took the hard scrabble land on the hillside and God continued to prosper him. And God said to him, I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to give you a son. Well, years passed and nothing happened. They're getting on up in age now, in the 70s now, in the 80s. And one day Sarah decided to get ahead of God. And she said to her husband, I want you to go into Hagar. She's young, she's beautiful, she's fruitful. Abraham prayed about it for about one second and said, hot dog Jesus. <laughs> they made a mistake, got into trouble. And most of what's being faced in the world today, in that part of the world, is because of what happened. And you understand what I'm talking about. That's where the jealousy comes from. That spirit. And Abraham missed it. But aren't you glad that God is the God of a second chance? Anybody here ever needed a second chance in your life? Have you needed a chance beyond that? You know, don't, don't raise your feet. God said, I'm going to give you a child going to make you the father of many nations. 99, 89, now 190. And suddenly Sarah falls pregnant. Can you imagine the look on the delivery room doctor's face when a 90-year-old woman comes in to have a baby? It must have been some day in that area. God said, I'm going to establish my covenant with you and with your seed, with your children, with your offspring. I'm going to establish it with you and with the next generation. Amen. And that's what the devil is after. He's after the next generation. When Moses came back to Egypt, he said to Pharaoh, let us go out into the wilderness to worship the Lord. And Pharaoh said, who's going with you? And Moses said, we're all going. Pharaoh said, no, you men can go, but you've got to leave your family behind. You've got to leave the next generation behind. And Moses said, we're all going or none of us are going. And the plagues just kept on coming. <laughs> Satan wants the next generation. Yeah. If he can't get you, he wants your children. He wants your children's children. Satan wants the next generation. And God works generationally. He worked through Abraham. He worked through Isaac. He worked through Jacob. He worked through uh, Jacob as his name was changed to Israel and had 12 sons, including Joseph, and on down the line. God said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations and the generations to come because you, Abraham, will command your children. Train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is older, he will not depart from it. Yes, I ran away from God, but I came back to God when I was 19 years of age, six years ago. God transformed my life. There's a history here. And we've got to understand the Bible 
in its historical perspective as well as its spiritual perspective. We've got to understand that the covenant, the covenant right that we have is explicit, it's direct, it's proportional, and it's for you, and it's for me. And we can have a blood covenant according to the scriptures with God. We are entitled to everything that Abraham was entitled to. We are entitled to everything that Isaac, which was poured into him through Abraham, everything that he had, we have, in, we have entitled, we are entitled to. You remember in the Bible, there was a, there was a great famine and the, then Isaac faced a second famine and the first famine was mentioned and Isaac wanted to run. He wanted to go to Egypt. He wanted to go to another place where he thought the grass was greener on the other side. But God said to him, no, Isaac, don't go to Egypt. Stay here and sow in this land. And I will bless you. And he reaped a hundredfold. Abraham was the first man to understand the basics of the covenant. That God was his God. But at that time, he didn't really know who God was. And it, he really didn't understand until he had an encounter of something that he lost. Four armies came in and kidnapped Lot and his kinfolk. And Abraham went after them and defeated the four kings and brought Lot and, his other, and the other family members back to Sodom. And he was met by the priest of Salem, whose name was Melchizedek. And Melchizedek came to him with bread and wine, which was a type of the Holy Communion that we celebrate today. And Melchizedek said to Abraham, blessed be Abraham of the Most High God, the possessor of heaven and earth, and the one who delivers him from all of his enemies. And when Abraham understood for the first time that God was Most High, the possessor of heaven and earth, and the one who delivers him from all of his enemies, the Bible says he gave a tithe, a tenth of all that he had. And immediately the devil came in. Isn't it amazing when we sow how immediately the devil comes in to try to steal it? You sow your offering like we did a moment ago. You get home, you find out, oh my goodness, the insurance doesn't cover that. The car breaks down. Somebody is sick and in the hospital. A payment is due. You thought you had a year. Now you've only got 30 days. The devil is trying to wreck everything that God is trying to do with you. The devil wants to wreck that covenant. And that's what happened to Abraham. So the king of Sodom came and tried to make a deal. And that's what the devil always does. He tries to make a deal. He tried to give him the spoils. He tried, he tried to get the world system, the world economic system back in him. And Abraham said, no, I won't even take as much as a shoelace, lest you say you made Abraham rich. What he was saying was, God is my source. God's the source of my supply. God's the source of my salvation. God's the source of my healing. God's the source of my life. God's the source of my health. God's the source of my finances. I don't look to the man or woman in the White House. I don't look to the governor. Yes, I thank God for them, but, but I don't look to them. They're not my source. My bank is not my source. My bank account is not my source. My job, my ministry is not my source. It's my seed. But it's not my source. God is my source. Say it with me. God is my source. Well, that was a profound thing for Abraham to say and do. But immediately fear hit him in the pit of the stomach. And the reason I know is because if you read on in the 15th chapter, the Lord came to him and said, Abraham, don't be afraid. Now, why would God say don't be afraid unless he was afraid? 
We're not immune. We're not immune to fear. Fear comes against every one of us. But remember, the Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear. So therefore, you know where the fears come from. You know the source of the fear. If God didn't give it to you, there's only one other source. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. You don't have to go crazy. You don't have to run around like an accident waiting for someplace to happen. You don't have to live with too much month at the end of the money. You can have a covenant with God. And Abraham took that word from God. He said, don't be afraid. I am your shield. And I am your exceeding great reward. We have two covenants in the Bible. We have the old covenant and we have the new covenant. We have the old deal and we have the new deal. Now, the new deal did not replace the old deal. It fulfilled the old deal. Now, I know preachers who say, well, I will not preach from the Old Testament. Because we have a a new and better covenant based on better promises. Yes, that's true. But it fulfills the old covenant. And you can't understand the Bible if you leave out the Old Testament. All 66 books of the entire Bible are relevant. I'm preaching out of Genesis today. You can't leave out Genesis because if you do, you leave out where you started from. And when you leave out where you started from, you're not ever going to know where you're going. Because we're going somewhere we haven't been before. Now that's what's been happening to me. I'm launching into some new territory in my life. Because we are in motion. You know, fish, fish, have, have, fish have to swim. If they don't swim, they can't live. It's the, it's the movement through the water that flushes water through the gills so the fish can, can live. You take a fish out of water and you, you watch the gills. They're trying desperately to get water through there. They have to be in movement. We have to be in movement or else we stagnate. And when we stagnate, we stink. And there's some stinking people. You know what I'm talking about. A few years before my father passed away, I went out to, to see him. He was living in Newport Beach just on the other side of the mountain. By the way, I want the, the California government to cut a new highway for me. Thank you for that applause. I don't want to have to go to the 91. And I don't want to have to go on the Ortega. So when I get to the other side, I'm... I want one that's a tunnel that goes right through the hill. To where I can be at Newport Beach in 30 minutes. Or I want a helicopter. But my dad, when he stepped down as president of the university and I took over, he moved to Newport Beach. Left me in Oklahoma. How God have mercy. And laughed at me. Laughed and laughed and laughed. Got a little condominium, a little two-bedroom condominium with my mother. He did. And right on a golf course. Because he put a golf club in my hand when I was five years old. And, uh, and uh, he and I 
played thousands and thousands of matches over the years. First time I ever beat him, I was 14. He had said to me, you'll never beat me. I beat him when I was 14. I looked at him and said, you'll never beat me again. <laughs> and you know what? He didn't. <laughs> My faith was stronger than his. <laughs> better way of saying it was I had a better swing. <laughs> but uh, my father loved to play golf. He loved to work all morning and half the afternoon and about 3 o'clock. He liked to go out and swing the golf club. And so during those years that he lived out here, he lived out here almost 20 years. Uh, during those years, uh, I would come out frequently, oh, eight, ten times a year, just for two or three days, and we would fellowship together, and we would plan together on the ministry, because he was still doing TV in those days, and we'd plan out television programs, and I would share uh, the burdens of my heart and all that was going on in the university, and, and I would get wise counsel. It's good to get wise counsel. And, but, but always about three o'clock in the afternoon, we'd go out and, and play nine holes together. And uh, it was such a, such a great uh, father and son camaraderie between the two of us. And one day, just a few years before he died, we had gone out there in the afternoon about 3 o'clock. And we were driving the golf cart. I was driving because uh, my mother revoked his driving privileges when he was 75 <laughs> because he couldn't find a tree to miss. Uh, <laughs> my dad ran into everything. He ran into trees, he ran into cars, he ran into buildings. Uh, my dad was the world's worst driver. And Lindsay, if you're watching, I'm not taking after him. <laughs> um, never mind. <laughs> so we're, we're in the golf cart and he said, pull over here. So I, I pulled over and stopped. And he reached over and put his hand on my leg, on my knee. And he said, son. Now, when Oral Roberts said son to me, I knew he was going to prophesy. Because he never used the word son unless he was going to prophesy. And in the last years of his life, he prophesied much more than the early years. He put his hand on my leg, right here on my knee, said son, and I knew a prophetic word was coming. He said all of your adult Christian life you have asked me and believed God for a double portion of my spirit. And I said, yes, that's right, Dad, because it's scriptural. Elisha asked for a double portion of Elijah's spirit, and he got it. And God's no respecter of persons. If Elisha can get it, I can get it. He said, son, I'll be gone soon. And when I go, a double portion of my spirit will come upon you. He said, it is reserved specifically for you and for you only. And he said to me, the anointing of God is generational. It cannot be picked up by someone else. He said, it went from Abraham to Isaac, from Isaac to Jacob, from Jacob to Joseph, on down the line. He said, when I die, many men will say, I have Oral Roberts anointing. He said, pay no attention to that when you hear it. He said, it is reserved 100% for you. He said, they can receive an impartation from me, but they cannot receive my mantle. Come on. That mantle is reserved for you and for you alone. He said, a double portion of my spirit will come. And he said, as a sign, as a sign unto you, after I die, 
The same Spirit of God that moves down my right shoulder, right arm, and right hand and shoots out my fingers when I pray for the sick and has for many, many years will come down your left shoulder, your left arm, and will shoot out the fingers on your left hand for healing just like it did in, in my day. And I said to him, Dad, why my left arm and why your right arm? He said, it's very simple. I'm right-handed and you're left-handed. <laughs> Isn't God smart? He knows what he's doing. I've, I've always, he said, no, I notice when I watch you pray for people, you always favor your left hand. I said, yes, I'm left-handed. He said, notice when I pray for, pray for people, I always favor my right hand because I'm right-handed. And I can remember the days when he would not leave the hotel room to go to the crusade service until he felt that presence come into his right hand and right arm. And I would say to him, Dad, why, why are we waiting? Sometimes we're 30 minutes late. He'd say, I'm not leaving the room until I feel this presence. And I would say, Dad, why? I was just a boy. Why, why, why? He said, because people are depending upon my prayers. And I've got to have that anointing. And that's the sign that God gave me. And God will give you the same sign. And you'll know when it comes on you, you'll know it's time to pray for the sick. And he said, but the Lord's going to use you differently than he used me. He said, when that double portion comes on, you primarily will not lay hands on people as I have done, but the Lord will manifest the gifts of the Spirit, particularly the word of knowledge and the gifts of healing, and you will speak and fire will flow out of your hand as you stretch it across great crowds and in churches throughout America and among pastors. And that's the day that he began to say, you'll be in nations around the earth ministering to third world nation pastors, pastors who have no connection Pastors who are desperate for the power of the Holy Spirit. They're desperate for healing. In fact, many of them have no idea that healing is even possible. And you'll teach them on seed faith. That's all that happened that day as we were getting ready to tee off on the golf course. And I don't remember what happened next because I was in a state of shock having heard all of that from the Lord as that prophetic word came forth. And something happened to me that day. Not long after that, he went home to be with the Lord. Several months passed, and I was up in Canada preaching. And I was in my hotel room getting ready for the service. Had my Bible in my hand, when all of a sudden, I felt this presence come into my left shoulder. And it began to come down my arm, and I, I looked, and I began to weep. It came down into my hand, and I felt fire shooting out of my hand. And I knew that the manifestation that was prophesied over me had happened. Went to the service that night and there were miracles everywhere. And it's been growing and growing and growing. But there was a new level. We always think we've reached the top. Oh, there's much more. There's much more. We think we've arrived. We're just... We're just getting started. Moses didn't start his ministry till he was 80. I'm 71. I still have nine years before I start. My longtime friend, Pastor Hank Kuhneman, who had dinner with us the other night along with Pastor Nancy and Pastor Morgan there between services at the Copeland Convention, prophesied last week over me. He said, Richard, I see you at 90 years of age. I said, what color is my hair? <laughs> He said, not black. <laughs> Used to be black. Not black anymore. He said, I see you at 90. I see you strong in health, Amen. 
preaching and praying for the sick. Hallelujah. It did something to me. It, 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 it did something to me. And this week at Brother Copeland's convention, there was a, another level. There was another level of anointing. There was another level. And Brother Copeland said, I want you to tell those two stories about the fire in your hands, and I want you to tell about the double portion anointing. And I said, Brother Copeland, why? He said, because if, if you don't tell people, how do they know? And he reminded me of the story that Jesus said the, the, in Luke 4, 18, the, the anointing of the Lord is upon me. He said, Jesus had to say it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to heal the sick, to preach, and so on. And he told me the story of Brother Hagin when the Lord put two coals like a fire into his hands. And he said, Brother Hagin did not want to tell the people, but God said, you have to tell them because if you don't tell them, how will they know? Reminds me of the scripture, how can they hear unless someone is sent? And Brother Copeland said, I want you to tell those two stories. And I did on Thursday night. And all heaven broke loose. Pastors from all over the world were there, some 2,000 of them. And began to stream to the front and give testimony of what God had done that night. There's a new level. But I've got good news. I don't have a corner on that new level. If that corner, if that level is for me then it's also for you. You have not reached the pinnacle. You're on your way because you have a covenant with God. I have things in my life right now, and I'm sure you do as well. I'm saying, God, I have a covenant right for this thing to work out. I've got a covenant right for this project. I've got a covenant right for this project. I have a covenant right because I'm a tither. I'm checking every day to make sure I'm up to date on my tithe and I'm in the offering stage. I have a covenant right. I have a covenant right for God to open me the windows of heaven and to pour me out a blessing so much so that there's not enough room to receive it. I've got a covenant right for him to rebuke the devourer for my sake because I'm a covenant man. I have a covenant with God. It's based on better promises. It does not eliminate the old. It fulfills the old and it's working in my life. And the good news is God is no respecter of persons. If it'll work in my life, it'll work in yours. With all the great future that God has for you. It'll work. Thank God for the covenant. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We have a special offer available for you. Just click on the link for more information. And don't forget to subscribe and turn on your notifications. We'll see you next time here at Richard Roberts ORM.